You know, the, the holiness of God is unique. Not everybody, in fact, there's no other religion really that mentions holiness like God does in his word. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are, we're discovering the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And this is Ezekiel chapter 46, the holiness of God. This is absolutely stunning. A great way to study. Now, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey? As we are finishing up the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, I'm going to be focusing in on the prophet Ezekiel and his book. Ryan? Well, in continuation with yesterday's study, today I'm looking at how the sun, moon, and stars are fulfilling one of their God-given roles as timekeepers. Timekeepers. Very good. Janice? Today, one day at a time. All right, so take your Bible guide, open up to today's passage, and open up the Bible, the most important book of all, and let's study God. Ezekiel 46, 1 through 8. Thus says the Lord God, The gateway of the inner court that faces toward the east shall be shut the six working days. But on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. The prince shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside and stand by the gatepost. The priests shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the entrance to this gateway before the Lord on the Sabbaths and the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And the grain offering shall be one ephah for a ram, and the grain offering for the lambs, as much as he wants to give, as well as a hen of oil with every ephah. On the day of the new moon, it shall be a young bull without blemish, six lambs and a ram. They shall be without blemish. He shall prepare a grain offering of an ephah for a bull, an ephah for a ram, as much as he wants to give for the lambs, and a hen of oil with every ephah. When the prince enters, he shall go in by way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way. Ezekiel chapter 46, verses 1 through 8. Ezekiel chapter 46, chapter 47, and chapter 48. Very, very important as we conclude this chapter. There's a lot to talk about. The final eight chapters of Ezekiel focus on the procedures and the rituals and the manner of worship in the holy temple of God that help us to understand the holiness of God. Now, holiness is not exclusive to religion. Uh, it is exclusive, however, to God. God is the only one who is holy and tells us that we need to deeply understand he is holy. Now, the word holy in Hebrew is kodesh, and it means 
separate or set apart. It is the same equivalent or word used to translate saint or sacred or sanctified. In other words, God is unique and set apart from us. He is holy. He calls us to be holy as well. Before the fall, we were made holy by the hands of God, created by him in his image. But because of the first sin, the sin of Adam and Eve, humanity fell and we became sinful. God had no choice but to separate from us because he's holy. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, in this unholy world to die for our sins and bridge the gap for us forever. Now we are made right and reconciled with God because of him. Through Christ, we are sanctified. Through Christ, we are set apart. And so we have to recognize that. And that begins our great worship today. And as we look at this, we're going to be focusing on chapter 46. Take your Bible guide and turn to this page because it's a good one. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can get yours by calling us or writing to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page from the Bible guide. It'll take you to a donate. Thank you for your donations. I very much appreciate them. Uh, they are very helpful, especially right now. Father, I pray for the people that you would touch them and help them today as they've given. I pray that you would give them the ability to navigate through this rough economy in Jesus' name. Today we talk about holy procedures, Lord. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, open our minds as we hear you, as we begin to listen to your word, not to our thoughts, which is unique. Help us, Lord, to do so. May your Holy Spirit teach us, your Holy Spirit teach us your holiness today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, this is really interesting. 46th chapter, verse 1, here's what it says. Thus says the Lord God, the gateway of the inner court that faces towards the east shall be shut six working days. But on the Sabbath, it shall be opened. And on the day of the new moon, it shall be opened. The prince shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside and stand by the gatepost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the gate, and then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until the evening. Which brings me to the first point. The prince will worship at the gate designated for him in the new kingdom. God has given procedures for us to follow as Christians. Now, a Christian is a lot of things, but a true Christian is somebody who follows Christ. When we follow Christ, there are procedures which Christ told us to observe. And as we observe those procedures from our heart and from our, it, it radiates into what we do. So how we believe affects what we do. And a Christian is different in action, not just in words, but in action. You can see the Lord in how we act. And a lot of people are upset by that. But that's the true reality of a Christian. Now, let's go on and learn more about this from Ezekiel chapter 46, verse 3. Likewise, the people of the land 
shall worship at the entrance to this gateway before the Lord on the Sabbaths and the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And the grain offering shall be one ephah for each ram. And the grain offering for, for the lambs as much as he wants to give as well as a hin of oil with every ephah. This is fascinating. Offerings are given to the Lord and are considered holy. God gives us a description here. As Christians, we recognize that everything we have belongs to God. Everything we have belongs to God. I talk to people and... Uh, they, some people, not all, but some people say to me, well, I have this and I have that and I'm a Christian. I can do this and I can do that and I can do that and I can do this. And... I always ask them the question. I know you can do it, but did God call you to do it? That's a good question. Did God call you to do the things you're doing? We should check everything we do especially decisions about business or decisions about things we're doing with prayer and ask the Lord every day, Lord, help us to make the right decisions. Help us to do the right thing because that's how we follow God. That's how Christians follow God. All right, let's go on. Chapter 43, six to eight say, on the day of the new moon, it shall be a young bull without blemish, six lambs and a ram, and they shall be without blemish. He shall prepare a grain offering of an ephah for a bull, an ephah for a ram, as much as he wants to give for the lambs, and a hin of oil with every ephah. When the prince enters, he shall go in by the vest of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way. Procedures, procedures. The procedure for offerings are established because of God's Holiness, Kodesh, God's holiness. As Christians, our giving in the house of God is Kodesh, is an act of holy worship. Holy worship. When we give to God in his presence, that is recorded in heaven. I don't know how. But God does everything how he wants to. He has procedures that we've seen here that Ezekiel talks about. That God says there are procedures and this is what I want done. Now, I don't know why. We will soon know why. And I'm sure if we spent enough time on it, we probably could figure it out over the course of 20 million years. Because we have all eternity to think about it. But beloved, we need to understand and trust in God. Like the dollar says, in God we trust. Keep that in mind because the American currency reminds us in God, we trust. The world is reminded that our best effort is to trust in the Lord, not to trust in all these other things, but trust in the Lord God. Very, very important. The holiness offerings are very interesting to read about. All right, let's carry on. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now, 
You can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Okay, so yesterday we talked about how God created the sun, moon, and stars to mark signs and seasons. And we also discovered exactly what the signs and seasons mean. So today, as promised, we're going to continue our study and focus on the celestial mechanics of all of this. Now, you might notice as you read the Bible that there are a lot of different references to the quote, quote, new moon. For example, we see this phrase in Ezekiel 45, 17, 46, 1, 46.3 and 46.6. And it's terms like these that remind us that the calendar that the Israelites used was a lunar calendar, and they still use it in Israel today. Now, of course, those of us in the West use a solar or a sun-based calendar. But did you know that you can tell the time using even the stars? And today we're going to see how all three of these celestial timepieces work. We'll start with the moon cycles and phases so that we can understand what a new moon looks like astronomically. Our moon is more than just a shimmering light in the night sky. It also serves as a timekeeper. For example, the moon takes 29 and a half days to orbit the Earth, which is the basis for our month. In fact, the word month is even derived from the word moon. During its orbit around Earth, the Moon goes through four main lunar phases. Each phase is visible for about one week and the Moon's appearance differs from phase to phase. The different appearances are a result of the position of the Moon's orbit in relation to where the Sun and the Earth are. The Moon's first phase is called New Moon, though we cannot actually see it at this point. That's because positionally the Moon is between the Sun and the Earth, which means we're viewing the dark side of the Moon against the equally dark night sky. Nevertheless, by the following week, the Moon is into its second phase, called First Quarter Moon, or Half Moon. By week three, it's in its third and brightest phase, called Full Moon. This is when the Moon is on the side of the Earth opposite the Sun, and it's during this phase that a lunar eclipse can occur. By the fourth week, the Moon comes into its final phase, called Last Quarter, or Third Quarter Moon, and it has the same Half Moon appearance as it did in Phase 2. The Moon then returns back to its first phase to start anew. The orbit of the Moon is like clockwork. It's never late and never early. This powerful timepiece is not only the basis for the month, but also for the lunar calendar. In addition to the lunar calendar, we also have the solar calendar. The solar calendar is based off of the time it takes for the Earth to orbit around the Sun one time. Interestingly, every day for some 200 years now, astronomers in Greenwich have noted the position of the Sun using a special solar telescope. When the Sun passes directly overhead, it is exactly noon Greenwich Mean Time, also known as Universal Time or Zulu Time, and all clocks in the world are synced to this clock. Of course, not only can the Sun and Moon be used to keep time, but so can the stars. Just like the Sun, the stars rise in the east and set in the west. As soon as a star rises, it takes about six hours to reach its highest point, and another six hours to set. Although the stars are consistent, the rotation of the Earth around the Sun changes our perspective of the stars from night to night, which affects the position and rise time of the star. 
For example, the same star viewed on one night at a certain time would on the next night be shifted slightly to the west and would rise approximately four minutes earlier. Significantly, after one year, the perspective of the stars would be back to their original positions. Truly, the sun, moon, and stars are a testimony to the words of Genesis 1.14, where God establishes them as timekeepers. So as you can see, the sun, moon, and stars are fulfilling well one of their God-given roles as timekeepers. Clearly, these celestial bodies weren't just accidents of nature. They are very specially and specifically set up by God for our benefit. Accidents of nature. Accidents of nature. We have to remember that because we're taught where we believe it's propagated around us that everything's an accident of nature. No, it's not. We were created. This universe was created. What we look at, the things that we look at were created. Now, some of we created, but yeah. the idea is that God created everything. Look at a tree. God created it. Look at the grass. God created Look at a flower. God created that. Well, even a single cell is more complex than anything humans have ever come up with. So, Absolutely. And that's just one little cell. <laughs> and, you know, what, what did that happen by accident? I don't think so. No. Uh, that's another story. We're getting off on something here. But anyway, very good. Okay, Corey. All right. Well, we're taking a look at something else that was created and carefully crafted the book of Ezekiel as we finish it up today. You know, <laughs> it's, it's easy, I think, for us to just take for granted books of the Bible. We think, you know... We live in such a day and age where books come off the printer press so quickly. We can type really easily on our computers and delete things. And it's just, just not the way historically that writing and books have come about and come down to us. A lot of agony would have went into and a lot of care would have went into uh, recording these words and editing them and putting them together just so between Ezekiel and God and any later editors that came along as well. Today, I want to focus in on Ezekiel, this prophet that God spoke through and inspired to write the book of Ezekiel. Take a look. The prophet Ezekiel has left us with 48 chapters of his authored prophecies in the book of Ezekiel. This biblical book contains visions, prophetic actions, divine intervention, and direct specific dated prophecies. It seems that for Ezekiel, it was important that future generations would be able to look back at his prophecies, know when he gave them, and therefore know by their fulfillment that God's word was true. Amazingly, thanks to excavated Babylonian records, very precise dates for these dated messages and even events in Ezekiel's life are known. For example, we're able to know from the scriptures that Ezekiel was a part of the wave of exiles that traveled to Babylon shortly after the reign of Jehoiakim, who had rebelled as a vassal king against Babylon. When Jehoiakim died, his 18-year-old son Jehoiachin was left with the aftermath of an invading Babylonian army. He surrendered and went into exile along with a large number of Judeans. In Jehoiachin's stead, Babylon appointed Zedekiah as the next and turns out final king of Judah. This wave of Babylonian exile occurred in 597 BC, a full 10 years before the fall of Jerusalem. Ezekiel was called as a prophet four years after going into exile in 593 BC. More specifically, it was likely July 13th, 593 BC. And then a large chunk of Ezekiel's prophecies from chapters 1 to 24 deal with the impending doom of Jerusalem, the temple, and Judah as a whole. 
We're told that beyond Ezekiel being called as a prophet of God, he was also a priest from the line of Zadok, which goes a long way in explaining why he was one of the more upper-class Judeans that was exiled first. It also seems very appropriate that God would use a priest to both announce the decommissioning of the temple in Jerusalem and foretell of its future recommissioning. Today, there are many different interpretations of Ezekiel's later prophecies. For our reference, the first 24 chapters deal with the judgment of Judah and Jerusalem, typified in the destruction of the temple. Then chapters 25 to 32 deal with judgments against various foreign nations. And then the remaining chapters, 33 to 48, all deal with the future hope of Jerusalem, its restoration as God's city and temple bearer. The various interpretations of Ezekiel's visions generally concern his apocalyptic passages and passages that deal with a restored Jerusalem and Israel. However, it's important to first take away the general message. Though God judges, there will also be a restoration. God's ultimately victorious over evil. Righteousness will prevail and he will dwell with his people. There we go. Very interesting biblical figure of Ezekiel and, you know, arguably a more interesting book. It, yeah, <laughs> really, it, really interesting book from a really interesting prophet. Yeah, it, 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 it fits fascinating. Ezekiel's probably one of the most fascinating characters. And I use that word, uh, you know, loosely. But <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yeah. You like the word. It's okay. I like the word. Right. But anyway, it's, it's, it's just it, he is a, an amazing prophet and he speaks this way. Now, uh, on the next program, we're going to get into Daniel. But yes. It's, you know, we need to pay attention because Ezekiel closes his, his prophecies. Now, Jeremiah closes by everything dying, but Ezekiel closes by opening up everything. Everything is like, what? What does that mean? You know, it's very, very important. Especially because they're contemporary. So it makes well, it really interesting, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. All right, Janice. Well, this chapter, Ezekiel chapter 46, is talking about the manner of worship. And I decided to title my segment today, One Day at a Time. And I've been talking over the last couple of days about being a new creation in God. We've been talking about the temple. We've been talking about um, New Jerusalem. So now we're talking about uh, being a new creation in God, being his temple where his spirit actually dwells within us. Um, I've been talking about giving God access to all the parts of our life. And letting God clean us up with his help. Remember, I talked about I like to save a lot of little things and it stacks up very easily. And some things are easy for me to toss out and other things it, it takes a little bit more effort. But with God's help, he can do that. He can clean us up and give us a whole new outlook, a whole new way of living. Now, today's focus of Ezekiel 46 talks about the manner of worship that God had instructed through Ezekiel. And my notes to myself says, as a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus, my manner of worship, our manner of worship includes our everyday actions and reactions. This is something I know that I need, and I can probably say that you agree with me here, that we need God's help because none of us is perfect. But on the other hand, we can't stay complacent. We can't be smug and say things like, well, that's just the way I am. I can't change. That you might hear out in the world. That you might hear from somebody who's not a believer in God. But 
God can and will change us if we allow him to do that in our lives. It's not an easy thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. Um, We can't live stuck here. We need to be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ every day, praying, spending time with God, spending time in his word. That's what a relationship is. That's what God wants. A lot of people think that God just has a set of rules and he's just sitting somewhere way up in the sky, if they believe him at all, that he's sitting somewhere up in the sky saying, you do this or that. And and that's just simply not the God of the Bible. That's not who he is. And so if you want a relationship with him, he's made that accessible through his son, Jesus Christ. And the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross when he died, he gave himself his shed blood on the cross bought our forgiveness from sins. And if you come to him and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, if you believe that he died on the cross and rose again in three days, he will come and dwell with you and you will begin. You will be this new creation. You will be a dwelling place for the spirit of God to live in. One day at a time is a song that we used to sing uh, in our younger days. It was written by Christy Lane, and I've been struggling in the last while with with a cough, and I'm not able to sing right now. But one day at a time, sweet Jesus, she writes, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way one day at a time. And you know, Rod, when we take that and we make that our prayer, Lord, get one day at a time. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is enough things to worry on its own. Take one day at a time. Live for me. Spend time with me. And I will give you that direction. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. That is something that we have incorporated in hangs our on our lives, wall. hangs on our wall. We have incorporated it and brought our children up in it. And we have seen in our lives the faithfulness of God. And he gives us his clear direction. He'll do the same for you. Holiness is awesome, and uh, it's something that we don't have, but it's something that God's Holy Spirit gives to us when we surrender our lives to Him. And so today, as we pray, let's think about this. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I I would like you to help me honor you and your holy name. As I live and worship you every day of my life, in the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, Amen.